Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on sports. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on sports. Check it out. everybody and welcome to yet another version of Bill Roden on sports uh, here with the great Jamal Murphy. Jamal, what's going on? Another uh, another great time here. Great to be here, of course. It's been a minute. We've been off for a couple weeks. I know. We, we tried to come back with a bang. And we are coming back with a bang. No question about it, brother. Uh, our guest this week, uh, like I said, all of our guests are special, but this brother is extra special. He's one of the few people, maybe the only person who's actually beat the NBA. Seriously, right? <laughs> the NBA had lost a lot of games, but this brother beat him. <laughs> our guest is the, the great Stefan Marbury. Uh, uh, I kind of, he's kind of, Steph, you're kind of close to becoming the legendary Stefan Marbury. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, our guest is uh, Stefan Marbury, uh, All American at uh, Georgia Tech, um, New York Knicks, New York Nets. Phoenix Suns, uh, and now the Beijing Ducks. In fact, he, he may be, I don't know, now you, first of all, before we get into all this stuff, welcome, man. Welcome to Bill Roden on Sports. Thank you for having me on, Bill. I appreciate being on. It's, a, it's, it's, it's an honor and, and a great pleasure, man. But let, let's start. There's so, man, your life, your life, and just think you've just turned, you're just, you just turned 40. Right. And you've almost, yes. you've almost lived double in terms <laughs> of all the stuff you have done. But how many, um, how many people, how many African-Americans have statues, athletes have statues in Beijing? I don't know. Do you, are, are you like the only one? Hey, I don't know. I don't know too many foreign people that do. <laughs> right, right. And you got a museum. Let alone black. Yeah, and a museum. Museum. They, uh, yeah. They're doing a, a theatrical play on your life, right? Yeah, they did. We did a play. I actually started in that. I saw um, that. I saw snippets. Well, I didn't start in it. I played in it, I should say. Right. But it was about my, my life there. All right. Let's let's start as as close as we can, Steph. I mean, obviously, you know, people know you uh from I mean, probably beginning in high school, probably pre high school. Pre high school. You were sure. always on the radar screen. But when you were twelve, thirteen, could you ever imagine the career that you've got now? Uh I mean, could you in, in your wildest imagination, could you have imagined uh, not only being, you know, having a long NBA career, but 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 having the kind of life and career that you've had in basketball. You know, you know, I never really look at what I thought could possibly be because, you know, I always just was in my life doing what it was that I was doing, what I love to do. Um, you know, God's vision for me is way way bigger than mine, and you know, I've learned that. You know, as I've gotten older, so you know, I, the only thing that I thought about was making it to the NBA to get my my family out of the out of the projects. Um, and for me, you know, once I did that, it was pretty much like, okay, well, what's next? Right. You know, I, I made it here. You know, that was something that was in my mind and in my head from when I was a little kid, and making it to the NBA and being able to, to provide and you know, being able to do that, you know, was a it was a great challenge. But you know, there's more that has to be done, and that's what you know I've I've come to find in my 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 life and living in my life of having a purpose. So you know, I can't I can't really answer that question and say where right, I think right. I will be. You know, because it's a it's a lot. As far as where I where I where I was and where I am now, right? Yeah, and and it's, it's probably all of us. I mean, if somebody asked me at age ten, do you think you're going right. to be at the New York Times? And number one, what is it? Right. <laughs> where where exactly. is that? You know, you're right. You you're sort of the journey. You take the journey as it goes, and you do the best that you can uh, with it. Just for um, you know, our guest is the great Stephon Marbury, and just. 
for those who probably been off the planet for a minute don't know, let me just kind of give you his pedigree because it's always good to know <laughs> who you you know who who you're listening to. Um, you know, he's born in Coney Island, Brooklyn, uh, 1977. Forty years old, man. That's nothing. Do you do you ever when you were 20? Do you think you'd be 40? Definitely not. <laughs> man, definitely not that. I, you wasn't thinking that. <laughs> remember, remember, like when you were, when you, you know, you twelve. Somebody said, "Yeah, they forty. Man, is that right. dead?" Right. <laughs> now right. here, here you are. But still, but still balling. Right. I know, still yeah. playing at a hell of a high level. By the grace, so, by the grace. Yeah. So uh, he's born in Coney Island. Six of seven children. Uh, two of your older brothers were. Big time, legendary NYC, you know, New York high school players played D1. Uh, Stephon started Lincoln High School in Brooklyn. Uh, went to Georgia Tech, 95, 96. First time All ACC, third team All American, uh, ACC tournament runner up uh, to Wake Forest and Tim Duncan. That's not bad. If you're gonna be second to somebody, you'd be second to Tim Duncan. Then, then uh, he's a fourth overall pick in the in the 1996 draft, which was a hell of a draft. Right. Um, Sitting in the room here with me is Nabate Isles, who's a world-class trumpet player, a uh, great trumpet player, but he's also a sports aficionado. He probably knows more mm. about you, Steph, than you may know. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, it's the fourth overall pick in the 1996 draft. It was a great draft, by the way. Um, traded to, uh, you, you, you were uh, drafted uh, by Milwaukee, traded, yeah. traded to Minnesota, uh, uh, you played in your rookie season. You played with Kevin Garnett, traded to the Nets, uh, traded to Phoenix for Jason Kidd, made the playoffs, traded to the Knicks, and then five seasons with, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't say with the Knicks or with Larry Brown, not quite sure. Uh, <laughs> it's and, all uh, good. <laughs> hey, man, I, you know, let me ask you a question, man. I mean, a lot of people, of course, you know, are Knicks fans, diehard Knicks fans. Right. And to a lot of people, that's what they remember. They'll remember the 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 uh, Stephon Marbury of the Knicks. Let, let's start with that and start working our way back. Put put those put those five years. And oh, well, let's 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 not mention. We're going to get to to Beijing because, uh, and, and I want to talk to that bridge that led you from the NBA to Beijing. Uh, but let's just talk about the, the years uh, with 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 uh, the Knicks. What were those years like in terms of what you were going through? And now that you can look back, how did that set you up for where you are now in terms of everything good that was going to happen in China? Mm -hmm. um, everything that I was experiencing during that time with New York was, it was all prep preparation and being prepared for what um, has taken place in China. Um, I've learned a lot, although I went through a lot. You know, some of it was my fault. Some of it was their fault. So I take fault in the things that, um, I didn't do because I could have been better, you know, within all of what was going on as well. Um, I think for me, you know, experiencing those those challenging times with an organization, a player, I mean, I'm sorry, with, with a coach, you know, me as a player, you know, it could be difficult. But, you know, I knew that I wasn't in the wrong in a lot of what was going on. So because I knew that I wasn't wrong, nobody could – make me feel a certain way, which, mm -hmm. you know, you just was dealing with whatever it was that you had to deal with. But internally, I was fine and I was comfortable within how I was living on earth, you know. Mm -hmm. So for me, it wasn't really as serious other than, you know, what it was doing to me as far as my career and how it was affecting me, you know, financially, because now I'm not in a position where I can go and make another max contract mm, right. because of being able to utilize my skills. Mm. You know, I was, I was hindered. So, you know, on all of those notes, you know, I learned how to do more with less. Hmm. And because I was able to not allow myself to cave in. And as you told me, during times when it was really rocky was keeping the faith, yeah. you know, and I kept, yeah. I kept my faith and it was a reminder when you said those words to me, because I needed to hear those words during those times because right. it was really, you know, tr those were trying times. And for me, you know, being able to keep my faith, to keep my peace and stay balanced. It was just, I was all, it was all in preparation for going to China and doing all of the things that, have been done. I wouldn't have been able to play at the level that I was playing at 
you know, with all of that energy inside of me, you had to actually turn it into positive energy mm-hmm. in order for me to, to, to really step outside and do something that has never been done in basketball and statues, museums. Mm-hmm. There's no NBA basketball player in history who has played the game with a museum, with a museum. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't go on. You know what I'm saying? So you got to pay homage to that no matter who it is, whether it's me or if it was another individual. It, it's, this is something that has happened on earth. And, you know, as a black man coming from Coney Island, you know, from where I came from in the projects, four bedrooms in the hood, you know, that for my parents, and them, the way how they raised us to, to be strong, to stay committed, you know, to follow through what it is that you, you love and what you want to do. You know, all of that is how I was able to, you know, deal with what I dealt with in New York and go to China and leave everything behind and, you know, do something different. Mm-hmm. So, so how, how has China changed your life? Um you know, you know, I mean, obviously you went through a lot, uh, you know, in the NBA. Uh, you've grown. So you probably, you probably would have grown anyway had you never gone to mm-hmm. China. But what, what about China do you feel like changed you to, to the person you are today? I think, um, you know, when I went there, I needed them and they needed me. Hmm. So it was, a, it, was a perfect, it was a perfect fit for the time when I went. Um, when I got there... I seen about I seen a sea of people that was smiling and clapping and so excited that I was there jumping up and down whereas whereas I didn't even know that they really knew much about me. So mm. I was one from the beginning, I was mm. greeted with love mm. and, and respect from what I've done in playing basketball. So I was leaving some place where things weren't that, that good to a place where there was a lot of there was a lot of light and a lot of promise. So, you know, when you see that as an individual, as a human being, everybody want to be loved. I don't care who you are. Right. You know, Absolutely. even the people that are hated want to be loved. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So for me, you know, going going into that situation after leaving one situation, you know, I was able to not only find myself, but I was able to be encouraged. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was able to be encouraged about the future in my life because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I was leaving a situation where it wasn't really that good. So being that, you know, the situation was what it was, me being able to go someplace different and then, you know, play basketball and have that same feeling, you know, and when you're playing, you know, it was it was a fit for me. You know, a lot of people fail to realize that I was already a global player. I already played a, a variety of places around the world. Mm-hmm. So being abroad wasn't nothing for me to live and adjust to living abroad because I've been there. You know, it's not like I don't know. Social media wasn't just around during the times when I was doing the things that people are starting to now do. Hmm. When, when, did you, you know? when did you start that? When did you start laying the foundation? I mean, because technically you went, you, you, start, you went to China in 2010, but you're saying that you really kind of laid the foundation of being a global entity uh, before that, I think, let's see, we were both in the Olympics. Uh, where was that? Was that, that was, uh, it was Athens. 2004. Yeah, 2004 in Athens. That was kind of famous, you know, with, uh, uh, um, who was on the team? Uh, uh, LeBron. LeBron was on of, that team, right? Yeah, there's a lot of guys. Yeah, yeah. But, but before it, that, yeah. I, I played in the Olympics two years prior to that. I played on the Junior Olympics. Mm. So I played, I played in Greece in the Olympics for the junior national team and I played in Argentina where we won the gold medal, you mm. know, with the junior national team. So I played on both junior national teams and I played for the dream team. So mm. I've been in I've been you I've been in USA basketball for for over twenty something years. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I was already seeing things of you know, I was seeing things that kids didn't have the opportunity to see. Mm-hmm. And again, and by me being exposed with playing with the Gauchos, you know, going to France, Switzerland, Annecy, Lyon, all through France, Brussels, you know, having those opportunities to be exposed to that, you know, I had a I had a different understanding about the global game. Mm-hmm. When did you put it all together? In other words, I, I mean, I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, going from 
the Knicks into China. But when, as you traveled, you know, I mean, you're you're young. We're all you're young. You travel. You see things, but you don't really see things. When did you begin to kind of put it together? Was it was it when you when you decided you were going to go to China? But when did you nah. finally put together the significance of what being not just a another black basketball player in the NBA, but becoming sort of this, a global entity that sort of called the shots, that became sort of the carpenter and not the tool? You know, I, I sort of, I didn't I didn't know, before I went to China, I didn't know what was going to happen. I had no idea about what was going to go on in China. You know, my, my wife was basically like, you got to go do something. You know, my business manager was like, look, if you want to continue, you know, to live the way you live, do the things that, you, that you're that you doing with your brand, you are going to have to do something completely different. Of course, you know, I thought about it, you know, it was something that was on the radar. But, you know, as a group, you know, it was a decision to, to, to do this. You know, when I left, I went and I saw the people show so much love that I just was like, wow. This is amazing. And I was affected by it right away because, like as I said, during that time, I was dealing with a lot. I had lost a lot of people, family members that died in my life. Yeah. You know, I had a, I was dealing with the Knicks, with that whole situation. So it was just a lot. The media was, you know, saying whatever it was that they were saying. <laughs> and at that time, you know, I, I, was in, I wasn't internalizing it, but I was dealing with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And all of that for one person is a lot. So when I left, when I left and I was able to go someplace where my mind had a chance to recover, you know, from all of what it was dealing with, you know, because it's it's trauma, post-traumatic stress is is serious. Mm. Mm. And you don't, you know, you you don't really know when it's happening because things is just happening. But in your life, when you're dealing with a variety of different things at one time, you know, it's it's hard. It's hard to deal with one thing at one time, especially a lot of things. Mm. So I had I had a chance to have balance during that time. Mm. So, you know, what was the one? I, mean, I know there's not one turning point, um, but you know, when you when you was there something? I guess I was gonna. How did China? Uh, come about again there was this tumultuous thing and oh one, one thing i wanted to say man, i forgot is i guess the reason why i really had I gained a lot of respect for you uh is because you were you were fighting and you were resisting and mm-hmm. you were you were really in the face of a lot of stuff coming at you you really mm-hmm. you really fought and mm-hmm. um you know i am a person of faith but mm-hmm. but sometimes you know you i think that even as today you, we get worried about stuff, but if you really, really have faith, you guys say, "Wait a minute! If I really have faith, what am I so worried about?" Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? But right. but we're human beings. But I was just telling a friend right. of mine that today, who was That's getting the challenge. I said, "Well, wait a minute! If you really have faith, you really mm-hmm. have faith. What, what are you worried about? Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? But but we're human beings. We kind of give mm-hmm. into it. But I remember. I mean, a lot of things that you lost your dad. Um, in the in the garden, right? That doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. That does not happen to people. So there's all this stuff you're going through. What are the steps finally that led to you? Uh, I guess 2010 going to China. I mean, was that was it hard to make that to make that link? I mean, what was what was the process um, <clears throat> that that my, finally led that you know led led you? Because I mean, my, my most. No, I got you. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Look, this what happened. The, yeah. You know, the NBA at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I had came in the best shape of my life. Like, I, I never was in the shape. I mean, actually, you know, it helped me being in the, the best shape of my life because it kind of propelled me for the future. But mm-hmm. during that time, I came in at tip-top shape. I did things that I never did before. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I came into training camp, I was already ready for the playoffs. That was the D'Antoni time? Yeah, that was the Tony time. I mean, he put me on the third team, and I was destroying everybody in practice. Like, when I say destroying, meaning, like, it was fun being on the third team because, you know, usually you're playing on the third team, you're playing with the guys that are trying out. And that's basically how, how, how it went down because he was already going in another direction, which was okay. It was fine. Just let me move on. Right. But because he couldn't just say, here's your money, we want to move on. At that time, you know, 
people were like, well, why, I'm, why, why am I not playing? Mm. At that point, I knew that it was over with. I knew I'm 13 years in my career. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't plan on, at this time, I'm, I'm not thinking I'm playing the 20 years. I'm thinking I'm going to play, you know, another three, four years maybe, and then that's going to be it. But it's never what we plan. It's always, it's always another plan of, from what we're thinking. Right. And at that time, you know, I just said, you know, I'm going to do something completely different. You know, I'm going I'm to make a different move. And, you know, it was an opportunity for me to, to rebrand, you know, rebrand my bit, my brand and play basketball. So, Nothing was promised to me. Nothing, nothing. He just told me. My, my friend, after I was there for a year, he said, "Look, you know, at this time, I'm just really getting to know him, and they're getting to know me. But during this time, I said, they said to me, Stephon, look, you'll be able to sell millions of shoes here one day. That's right. That's right. One day. That's right. But if you, get, if you can't he, sell he shoes in China, stay. <laughs> he said you gotta. He said you gotta stay. Right. And I said, well. I'm not staying just to sell shoes. If I'm staying here to play, I'm staying here to play. Right. And this is going to basically be where I'm going to play at. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it started from it started from that. And, you know, I never, I never looked back because, you know, teams tried to get me to come back. I, you know, it, it wasn't about the money anymore. Mm-hmm. And when it, be, when it wasn't about the money no more and it was about what they did for me and how they helped me, mm-hmm. You know, my loyalty, it just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And then, you know, they saw my loyalty and they felt my loyalty and it just became like a perfect fit. Mm. You know, I like to look at it like how, how, you know, David Stern treated Michael Jordan and how, you know, how they treat LeBron James mixed together. But (laughs) it's real, though. It's real, though. But it's it's real, Mm. (laughs) you know, because I, I, I understand how that whole platform, you know, Jordan and LeBron, those guys who you build around, you do build a lead around that. But they didn't build the lead around me. They allowed me to to help make the lead bigger by more more people seeing and viewing it and knowing that this is a new portal and a new platform, which I think a lot of guys will continue to gravitate towards because – not everybody's going to be able to play every year in the NBA. It's a hard league. Yeah. you got to be really good to play. But guys still can play. And their games may not be suited for that team, but it, there's a team that they may be able to get on, but that spot might be filled. So guys get an opportunity to go to see and go play in China and view China and say, wow, you know, I got a chance to get my game sharp, which a guy like J.R. Smith did. He came right. to China, played well, and came back and won six men of the year. Mm. You know, so for me, this is what it was all about. This is my movement and what I what I created, you know, in my mind and what I wanted to do with God backing it because it's positive because, you know, you put the energy out and you say you want to do good, you want to be a bridge to the to the NBA and to the CBA, you know, you put that type of energy out, there are things and trials and things that you have to let go, get over, to move forward. And, you know, like I said, being at the Garden was one of the things, you know, my peace is my pece because of where God allowed me to be at right now. What was it like being so at the Garden? Oh, I'm sorry. You, it you was were, beautiful yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was in my zone. Hey, I just want to go go back a little to the China thing because one of the things I notice about you is you're like a really loyal, caring guy. Um, and I know you announced your retirement uh, from the CBA next year, or from basketball playing wise. Period. Right? Uh, this, mm-hmm. this year coming up. But you said you want to you want to get into coaching, and most likely you'd like to start in Beijing, right? Um, and I'm I'm assuming that you know that's that has to do a lot with loyalty. Where where do you get that from? I mean, my mother, my mother and my father are like that. That's that's just who we are, you know. And if you're down with us, it's to the end. It's to the end. If you're down with me, how can I not be down with you? You know what I'm saying? I mean. It's just, just that's just the only way. I mean, I was raised that way. I don't I don't know anything else. You know what I'm saying? So 
to me, you know, it's a no brainer in what I'm committed to and what my commitment is towards. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you that's, know, that's one of the things that gets lost when you talk about when, you, when people talk about Stefan Marbury in terms of, you know, the caring, the loyalty, but also, you know, reaching out and doing things, not just the sneakers that you were, that you were selling for, you know, a lot less than than most people were selling their sneakers for. But fifteen dollars. And we're going before this is before China. You know, you say China changed you. You changed you changed since China, but. This is way before China. You know, you were you donated five hundred thousand dollars to the nine eleven victims. Uh, you, you donate o- over five hundred thousand to Katrina victims. You gave it's, four. You know what it is, man? I mean, you gave you four know, million dollars to to New York this, City. This is what it is. Check it out. <laughs> this is what it is. You know, the things that we do, we for me, the, when we do something, we do that because that was what we were supposed to do. Right. It's not. It's not anything else. It's like this is what we believe in we believe this is how you continue to gain favor and from all of what i've done god has allowed me to be blessed where i'm able to sit before people and talk and talk about a museum that i have two statues that i have a green card in a country where that doesn't happen at where a country that now people are trying to get into this country to do business to do deals i'm in position to do Mm. to do these things now so what I've given is no is I can't compare to what can can be gained from doing all of these different things. I I'm not saying that that's what's happening or it will happen, but to be in position on earth to do these things and to receive these things that is where that's the blessing and giving. So my mother my mother said, the more you give stuff on the more you're going to get back. God's going to always show you favor, boy. Yeah. Believe that. So when you grow up with this, 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 this upbringing and this, and this backbone and this foundation, you know, when you know this and you know that that love is so strong, you can't go outside the lines. You know that this is what you're supposed to do. You're gonna be blessed. You're gonna receive God's blessing. It may not come back in money. Right. It may come back in making sure that God look over my son because something can happen on my right. daughter. Mm. Or my kids, or my grandson. I just had a grandson. Oh wow! So like, you know, so just <laughs> wow. exactly being able to my, no complications, right? No complications yeah. with my grandson coming mm. into the earth. That yeah. right there is enough mm. of all of what I've done with him being healthy. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because mm. you know you can't take that for granted. Mm. You know, so I I I recognize my blessings. I don't just look at them as in something I'm receiving from it. Because you can receive, you can receive things, and it don't. It's not a blessing, right? right. Uh, you know, how did? Uh, well, I, that was two, two, two things. What was your relationship with your teammates when you got to um, Beijing? And did, a, did they they know who you were? And then what was your what was your relationship? Because you know, you guys end, wound up and you know winning championships, and. I'm not sure where they were before, but what was your relationship to them? A, did they know who you were? Were you a legend? Did you become a leader, or did you have to sort of yeah. to be a? They, they they knew they knew who I was, and they knew the they knew the stories that they've heard. Mm-hmm. But when I went to China, while everybody was asleep, I was having a press conference, hmm. and when I was in that press conference, I said, "Go by what you see and what you hear." And then I'll, if you go by what you see and what you hear and you want to judge me after that, that's fine. Don't judge me based upon what you read or mm. what you heard from somebody else. Mm. And they basically was like, that's fair. Like, because they asked me every question in the book about everything that went on in America mm. <laughs> when I first got there. And I didn't have no problem with answering it because, like I told them, I said, look, I come damn near naked. I don't have nothing to hide. <laughs> I don't got nothing to gain right now. I'm at a I'm at a point in my life where I just want to play basketball, and I'm telling y'all I want to build I want to build my brand. Mm. They say it's a lot of people here that play basketball, and I love basketball. I'm here. I'm here to see what I could possibly do. And then I left it at that. And from then on, I, my my rapport with the media was it was solid. And the people they read what I said, so they knew where I was coming from from the jump. You know what I'm saying? And it was authentic all the way up until now, and it won't change. So my teammates, they thought about it. They talked about it probably amongst themselves 
all of the teammates that I had, but then when we played and we lived in a the life, they understood what it was. It was consistent. So it wasn't something that was foreign to them. Consistency is being kind all the time, you know, showing love all the time. Like, it is what it is from out the gate. So for me, it was it was never a, a problem or issue. Was that team already good when you got there? I mean, how did you? No. you guys won championships. So what was that like? That that transformation to transform them into to a championship team. I guess that's why I they mean, got, that's, that's why you got a statue over there. Right? It, it wasn't good. It wasn't good in a way that they would like to be good. Mm-hmm. They were good enough to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But when I came. I was able to be one of the pieces that they needed, mm. which they had pieces, but in order for us to build a dynasty, we had to build on top of building. Mm. And we did that. And they allowed me to actually come and give my input of, on what I believed and what I thought and how we needed to build it to win the championship. Cause I told them that I wanted to build a dynasty. Mm. Of course they looked at me like I was crazy, <laughs> but that's, that was my vision and what I what I saw and what I what I believe was possible because I knew the Chinese I knew the tradition of, of basketball and I, I understood it I learned it and I, I I dove right into the culture of basketball so I could integrate and so that I could have an understanding of what was needed for us to win because I knew if we if we won I knew it could be something special. Let me ask you this. So you're playing. You're retiring next year. You're you'll be 41. So you're playing. You played into your early 40s. Let's say China never happened. Let's say let's say the Knicks never happened. That episode with the Knicks never happened. Do you think you could you you would have played in the NBA until you were 40? Mm. But because of the way that I train my body and the way how I've trained my mind. I think I could play for as long as I want to play. Right, right. I don't think I don't I don't think that there's a time frame because if you know if you know how to play, all you got to do is stay in shape. Right. Your body won't allow you to jump up and dunk and do all those different things, but my body and my mind will allow me to beat guys that are fast to spots mm-hmm. and make them take tough shots. Mm-hmm. As long as I got a hand that's in their face. Right. Beating them and scoring, that's easy. I don't got to move the score. I could just stand in certain areas because I know the game. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that part of scoring, it won't be hard to score. I'm, I'll am be physically strong to deal with them and stronger than a lot of the guys that play just because, because of the way how I train. So, you know, basketball would have been, been the same. Hmm. What was it? You know, I'm just curious. When you um, look at the NBA scene from China, and a lot of a lot of expatriates, particularly a lot of expatriates, black folks, not just in basketball but literature, musicians who go overseas, say they look at the United States kind of differently. Not better or worse, but you get a whole different view of, of a place where you grow up. How did how did your view of the United States change from China? Just kind of now looking at things rather than being right in it, you were now, you know, in China, and you were looking at the country you're looking at the NBA how did you did you begin to look at things differently or look at the country differently um I would say this I would say that there are other people growing it's not just us doing it and growing it's other there are other people that are growing and they're growing at a different speed mm. we we're just we just we have the talent and we have um the the because of the small window and because of the love for our game on all of the playground courts, on all of the gyms, all of what the kids are doing now and training, that creates a that creates a different type of competition. But they got more people that's doing the same thing that we're trying to do. They just don't know how to do it mm-hmm. in the way that we do it. You know what I'm saying? You, so they're over about 300. Over yeah, they're over 300 million people that's playing. Mm-hmm. So I would say that, you know, everywhere is different. There's no place the same, but basketball is the same. There's nothing changing. It's just who's playing in the game. Mm-hmm. You you were out you were outspoken as a player. Uh, recently in the NBA, you got like Carmelo has been outspoken about racial issues. You got LeBron. Remember they did the whole ESPYS thing. LeBron Wade. 
and all that. What, what's your What's your take on on not only the issue they were talking about, but them being willing to speak out? Um. I'm a little old school. I'm I'm more so like go do something instead of just talking about it. <laughs> like it's easy to go stand on ESPN when it's, you know what I'm saying, when it's commercial breaks and everybody know you're about to do it opposed to you going up there, you just basically, you know, you just step outside just your box or your circle and then you go stand and you go do something. I'm not, you know, that's my, my thing is more of like, if you say something to me that you wasn't supposed to say, it doesn't matter if you're the president or if you David Stern. If it's not right, it's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you can speak on it and not feel nothing about it. It's not anything disrespectful. So for me, my my outlook on it is just on the on the low, create the change, mm-hmm. and then make it into something big. So where people are you know chaining on to it and are really trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Did, did, did being away, I guess my question, did, did being away from the United States, did it deepen your affection for the country? Did it change your view? Did you, you know, when you saw things uh, like, it's, yeah. It's home, you know. I know home before I left home. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not anything different that I didn't know. It's not like, oh, my God, I didn't know that. So, mm-hmm. for me, I've been, I've been exposed to it. I've been outside the country looking in, and I've been in the country looking out. You know, and I see what different countries, what they do and how they do things. But at the same time, you know, home is home and you always protect home. You just try to make it better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's basically what I want to do. I want to I want to try to make it better. You know, mm-hmm. nobody could get mad at somebody for wanting to take care of the people. I'm not you know, I'm for that. I don't care if it's white, black, Puerto Rican. You're supposed to take care of yours mm-hmm. always. You're not supposed to do wrong to others, that's basically how I feel. You're not supposed to try to put somebody at a disadvantage mm-hmm. to better yourself or to get ahead, you know. So I'm straight up about equality. And for me, you know, my goal through my brand is to try to create access for those who can't afford, who can't have, who who need, not want. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the $250 sneakers? I remember... The first, this is I think it's ridiculous. I think <laughs> I think it's I think it's ridiculous that Michael Jordan, a grown man who who looked just like me, is charging kids that amount of money. I think it's a crime. I, I think you know it has to come to some point. I don't care if you 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 making shoes that kids are killing each other for. As soon as one kid die, you're supposed to be like, that's it. Mm. Mm. That's how I feel, mm. as a, especially as a parent and as a grandparent. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you did something you know about it. Remember, you came out with a in 2006. Remember, we collaborated on that store. You came out with a fifteen dollars shoe, mm-hmm. you know, and wore it. <laughs> As right. a, you know, but, but that's, you know, I and they still out. Yeah, I mean, they were actually good shoes. I mean, you know, but you know, I was looking at um, uh, my 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 nephew wanted sneakers. I think you even met him, Kyle. He wanted sneakers for Christmas, mm-hmm. so we went out buying sneakers. You know, I, had, I you know, I was a man. They got to be out of their mind, man. <laughs> You know, they talk about so-and-so's got a sneaker and Iguodala's just got man, a... Man, they start with the head, man. Oh, my God. They start with the head of it. I mean, if you could, if you guys, if you got the control to change it, change it. Mm-hmm. Wow. If hey, you listen, got the control to change it, change it. Yeah. I mean, well, so, go. you want to you coach in the, in the future coming up. Could you see yourself uh, coaching in the NBA? Is all the politics and all that, all the stuff that happened to you in the <clears> NBA, is that water... Water under the bridge, or oh yeah, okay. NBA. I mean, I met with Adam Silver mm. um, the other day. Um, we had a really good talk, and for me, it's you know, I, you know, it's about the future of what it's about the future of call Auntie and tell her I call her back. Tell her I'm on an interview, Auntie Stephanie. Uh, it's it's about you know, it's about basically trying to empower our younger kids and give them the best opportunity to excel Mm. at the game that we love, that they love, and allowing them to understand that this opportunity and this gift that they're given in order and being able to to play a a game and be some of the best players. I want to, I want to be part of being, being part of that core of helping them transition and being able to put forth 
what's needed to be put forth on the court and off the court and to live a great life. You know, my experiences of what I've experienced can help a lot of kids because they won't have to go the route that I that I went down. They could go another route and doing different things. But my route was the route that I had to take in order for me to get to where I am. I wasn't going to retire the way how I was when I left New York, messy and, yeah. you know, my, my my career looking like I didn't know what the hell I was doing on the court when that wasn't the case. Right. It was just, you know, the situation was a situation. But, you know, I didn't leave it that way. I made sure that I, I handled it the right way in exiting going and going out of basketball next year. So, you know, I was thinking the irony would be, so you got, you're going to tell us about the movie that's coming out. So the, the irony of the movie is that let's say you come back to the NBA and coach when you're like, let's say 50 and then Tony, <laughs> then Tony's going to get fired again. And then you hire him <laughs> as your assistant. <laughs> nah, no, nah. no, nah, no. Come on, Stephon, come on. It's just one you more. Know, it, you know, you know, you know, the funny thing is when I think about it, right. When I look back at it and I think about it, I'm like, if I would have played in that system, everybody know what, oh, what would man. have happened. Oh man! Everybody know that. I look at James yeah. Harden and I'm like, wow, you really get a chance to be, you really get a chance to win MVP, Steve Nash. <laughs> yeah. You know, I look at James Harden having a chance to do that because yeah. you're, you're in a system and what is familiar with what you do on the court. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, you and he, was, he was basically cutting off his nose to spite his face, D'Antoni, because you'd have been Man, perfect. you never know what was going on, to be honest. Man. <laughs> he you had, never know he had how, Duvon out there. How, oh, man, unbelievable. <laughs> you know? What, what do you think of uh, What do you think of a guy like um, uh, Westbrook? Westbrook, yeah. Is he the MVP? I mean, oh, uh, yeah. What he's doing is, I mean, is legendary, man. I mean, I respect James Harden wins, but it's not like Westbrook isn't like he's not in the running for the playoffs. He's right. six, he's six. Right. So you know, with with the team that he's playing with, from what I hear, because I really don't watch that much, but mm-hmm. you know, they don't really have that many guys, and you need a lot of guys in order to win. And what he's been doing, I mean, it's you know, the last person to do it is Oscar Robinson. Right. So you right. know, right there, right from there, you know, it's already. Now he has more in a single season. So, you know, I think, you know, as as time goes on, people will start to really realize and understand why he's the MVP. James Harden is having a great year. I mean, hands down, he can't be the MVP. But I think with him, with, with Westbrook, you know, getting all of these triple-doubles and averaging the triple-double and breaking the record and making yeah. the record, yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard not to give him MVP. <laughs> and scoring 50 and 40, it's crazy. Yeah, it's not like 10, like <laughs> 10, 10, 10. <laughs> right, 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 11. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it ain't none of those. Like, it ain't, you know, it ain't a Jason Kidd triple-double. It's a, it's a real triple-double. <laughs> hey, this is the last thing for me. Thanks so much, man. You've really been very generous with your time. Yeah. And it's been great. We could talk for another hour, which we will not do. But I, pre- I, I appreciate I got, your, your time and your insight. I, know, I got uh, one more. Yeah. I got one more. I mean, you know, you, you're still balling. You're 40. But still, you, you got you got like rappers saying that they could beat you one on one. I heard Cameron said he used to handle you in high school, and I seen you in high school, and it don't really make it don't really add up to me. Yeah. So if, if it don't make sense, then it ain't gonna make dollars. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you gonna take him up on his one on one offer? Why, why are you even I mean, validate that? If it if it gets to that point where we gotta play one on one, right. Killer Cam, that's my man. I've been right. me and Cam been knowing each other right. since great, we were 13 great rapper, years great old, rapper. 14 years old. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, and he's starting to he's starting to hype and he getting it started. But like right. I told him, I say, game is ten, you got five, and you got the ball. He made another comment. He made another comment. Then I said, now you got eight points. Uh, <laughs> I hear you. Well, man, it sounds like made for TV, MTV, or, or pay-per-view. Oh yeah, that's what it's gonna be if you keep talking. Yeah. Hey, 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 Steph. Before we let you go, just tell us about the movie that's coming out, and um, uh, you know what, you know, how's it going? Yeah, I, I, I shot a movie and. First time, you know, I'm I'm definitely going to be touching the movie screen in, <clears throat> in the near future after I retire. Um, you know, I, I shot a movie for, what was it, eight weeks. It's about me basically going to China, leaving from America, 
to play in the CBA and playing for the Beijing Ducks. And um, the Beijing Ducks never won a championship before. 29 years, they never won one. And it's about winning that first championship, what, what went on, how – you know, when I went to the team, how the players were like, oh, this foreigner, he thinks mm-hmm. that he's good. You know, he's coming here talking about championships. Um, but all of the foreigners come here and they say they want to win the championship, but they never do the work. Because mm-hmm. in, in China, you practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday from 1230 to like three to like to like about 330. So it's like mm-hmm. three, a three hour practice mm-hmm. so from from nine. I'm sorry, from nine to 12. And then you practice from three thirty to like five thirty five forty five, and that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday you have one day off. Mm. Friday two practices, Saturday two mm. practices, Sunday off. You do that for thirty days mm. <laughs> before the season starts. Oh man! So a lot of guys they come there and they don't do all of it. They don't. They can't. They're not used to it. But <laughs> when I went there, when I went there, I did everything. Because I'm used to practicing. There's not no big deal for me to practice. I know my game's going to be sharp if I practice a lot. Right. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, which, and I invested into it. And that's basically the, like, all of this is part of the movie of how the transition of melting into another culture and in basketball, another culture in life, you know, eating the food. You know, a variety of different things that, you know, go with it. And then there's some movie stuff in it that's added, but that's basically what it's about. It's it's pretty cool. It's inspiring and uplifting. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Chinese audience and American audience will appeal to it. Do you speak Mandarin or what What, what do you speak? Uh, no, I don't really speak it that I'm I'm not that good. My kids are learning. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> that's good. That's the most important It's thing, harder. Man. It's a lot harder. Yeah. I guess the name of the movie will be I Fought the NBA and Won. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is our guest. <laughs> hey, our guest has been the great Stefan Xavier Marbury, uh, one of the best, man. Listen, God bless you. Uh, thank you so much, man. And uh, I can't wait to see what the next 40 years are like. Well, man, I'll take hey, 25. I'm, I'm, I'm embracing. I'm embracing the life, man. I'm embracing the life. Right. God is great. I can't complain. Yeah. I, I did stuff. have one question. So what happens when you're like this NBA coach? Or, or college coach, you know, and you come up with a... Or CBA coach. Or CBA, or CBA coach, and you come up with a, 20, <laughs> a 19-year-old Stephon Marbury. And you hey, you look at this guy I'm and you building, see yourself, and what do you say? I'm building one right now. Uh-huh. I'm building one right I'm building one right now. My son, I'm building the next Stephon Marbury. How, 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 how old is he now? <laughs> He's 12. Okay, Uh-oh. so yeah, it's about Uh-oh. that time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Check him out. You can see him on Instagram. Look at his shot. and Look at look at his shot and look at, look at his work ethic. What's his, what's his first name? Stephon, Stephon Marbury, Xavier II. Marbury II. Okay. Right. Now, 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 of course, I keep wanting to let you go. Now, so you've been following LeVar Ball, right? LeVar <laughs> Ball? Yeah, Ball. yeah, he's, yeah, I've been watching. Okay, so now, now what he said, he said something very, you know, it pissed, it pissed LeBron off. He said it's very, uh, it's rare that that a superstar's son will be, will, will even match the superstar. So LeBron got pissed off. But then I was trying to think about it. How many superstars do you know? Whose children have actually been as good or better than them? I mean, what what do you think about what he said? What do you think about him? But what do you think about that that concept of? To be honest, I'm not thinking about what he said. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. right, right. I know. But do you, well, okay. Listen, that'll be for the next yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's, it's, no. What I'm saying is, right. you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't start planning a plan B. It, right. it completely distracts from plan a. from plan A. That's right. That's completely. Right. So That's you know, right. I'm not thinking about what he's talking about. Maybe he's talking about that because he wasn't a superstar. Right. Oh, right. he didn't even start. He wasn't right. even. What's I'm what? just saying, like, yeah, right. he's probably he's probably looking at it like that's that's where his point of view is coming from. <laughs> right. But of course, of course. I've seen LeBron James' son, and his son is nice. Right. Mm. Mm. So his son, are you are, are your sons the same age, roughly? Uh, I think roughly around. Uh, maybe I don't know. If he, Stephon, <laughs> how old is LeBron's son? Is your age? Yeah, he's like 10, 11, 12, 11 oh, or 12. So this is going to be like a rivalry Uh-oh. in the making or maybe to be teammates. Oh, they definitely going to get down. They, they are for sure going to get it on. <laughs> you can believe that. What, what, a, what AU squad is, is your son on or going to be on? 
Steph my son plays for he played for the same coach that I played for when I was a little kid. His oh, name wow. is Thurman. Thurman okay. Player. Okay. Oh, oh really? So, I know him. Yeah, you wow. know Thurman. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. This is mad. That's what takes care of my son. Oh, that's great. I played for, I play I played for Thurman. So, you know, I'm not here, so he's one of the people that I trust that's gonna be on him the whole time when he's on the court. Right. Mm. No, that's great. Well, hey, listen again, man. The great Stefan Marbury. Hey, bro, thank you so much, man. God bless you and just Definitely. keep on pushing, man. And as we said, keep the yeah. faith, brother. Keep the faith, man. That's right. Keep the faith. All right. Bro, thanks a lot, man. Take care. All right, man. Y'all be blessed. Right. Peace. Thank you very much, everybody. Jamal, the great Nabate Hiles, one of the great names of all time and a great trumpet player. Uh, join us next week. When we'll pull another rabbit out of the hat. I'd like to thank uh, the great Stefan Marbury. Yeah, that and, was great. And thank uh, Jamal for reaching out. And we will see everybody very soon on another edition of Bill Roden on Sports. Bye. God bless. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.